Thursday, October 3rd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Fool.com, Matt Copenheffer, and from Motley Fool Funds, Tim Hanson. Happy Thursday, guys. Yo. Thanks, Chris. Actually, it's not happy. It's not, I'm not happy, as we, as we just talked about before we started taping, because now the government shutdown affects me, Matt. I was going to use a little bit of our time today to ask you, as the crazy runner in the room, <laughs> Tim's a runner. Tim's in great shape. Not as crazy as Matt. But not as crazy as Matt, who's doing the 50-mile race, the 100-mile race, that kind of thing. The the Wilson Bridge Half Marathon, which I was training to run and was going to be this Sunday, now will not take place due to the government shutdown because the first eight miles of the race are on national park land. See, here's my question, though. So the race, right, involves shutting down the park right? so you can run through it. Right. Ostensibly, isn't the park shut down? It actually should save the race director's fees. It should, right. They should save money on this because <laughs> you guys can now run through the park because it's already closed. I like this. Well, I, I live right by Rock Creek Park and I run through it. And so I went by there this morning and there is a, a paper sign that says it's closed. What's hilarious? A paper but, sign that you just ran right by? Well, <laughs> I, I figured there would be something more. There wasn't. I think, it was I think, okay to run. I think there are, uh, they've gone out of their way to be super inconvenient. It's like just to show everybody, hey. We're shut down. This affects you. So, for example, there's a parking lot that has three spots next to the trail, uh-huh. the George Washington Parkway Trail. They they went through the trouble of barricading it. Barric- <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen a paid government employee in that parking lot ever. I mean, the most attention they've ever paid to it was to barricade it. Put up a little jersey wall and yeah. just shut that thing I, down. <laughs> it's comical. It's absurd. All right. Well, hopefully by Monday when we get back, uh, sanity will be restored in Washington, D.C. Doubtful. Um, <laughs> uh, let's start today, though, with uh, the topic of headline risk. And the latest version of this comes in the form of Tesla Motors, which is falling a little bit today. It fell 6% yesterday after an internet video showed a Model S on fire following a crash near Seattle. Uh, Fortunately, no one was hurt. Tesla said that the car hit a large metal object in the road, causing significant damage. Uh, as you asked me earlier today, Tim, was that large metal object another car? I don't think I don't think it was. I, maybe I, I don't know what it was, but um, but hit a large metal non-car object getting the road. I, I hate when that Brutal. happens. Um, that's maybe that's actually maybe the bigger story here: large <laughs> large metal non-car objects in the road, as opposed to cars catching on is the it fire. A spaceship. Maybe. Is it, maybe this is why there's a cover-up. Maybe that's just. Part of the cost of doing business when you live in Seattle, like mm. yeah, we've you know we we get a lot of rain. Oh yeah, we also have large <laughs> metal non-car objects in the road. Um, but as we talked about earlier today, Tim, this is this is the latest example of headline risk. This is people reacting to the unknown, sort of the visceral image of a car on its own engulfed in flames, or certainly half the car engulfed in flames, and saying, you know what. This stock has had a great run, a meteoric run over the last 12 months or so, and I'm, I'm going to cash out. Yeah, you know, I think people probably are seeing echoes or hearing echoes of the uh, Boeing battery fires that have, have, have sort of hurt the Dreamliner um, and worry that that risk could be transferred onto Tesla. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not an expert in the science of it. I wouldn't be too concerned about one car catching on fire. It's not a, it's not a big problem yet. You know, in terms of headline risk specifically – you know, we have a 
there's a joke in this business that it's better to fall out of a basement right than fall out of the attic. And what that basically means is that if your stock price is already in the in the toilet and it can't go any low, you know, headline risk is not a risk because you could get a lot of bad news and the stock's not really going to move. Right. It's already priced in. Uh, Tesla, on the other hand, is obviously a very very expensive stock that's been on an incredible one year run. Fueled by it's above the attic. Yeah, God knows what it's fueling this round at this point. Momentum, craziness. Uh, you know, obviously some growth at the company, but the price seems to have gotten well beyond any any reality of the business, um, at least for the for the foreseeable future. Uh, so you know, it's exposed to volatility caused by crazy things like rumors on internet message boards, YouTube postings of cars on fire, and oh, by the way, there was also a downgrade yesterday that probably contributed yep. as well. Um, but that you know that's that's the risk you run when you play with uh, expensive stocks. How do you feel about headline risk? Does it factor into your thinking at all, Matt? Well, here's one thing about about Tesla. Having watched the Breaking Bad series, and I won't give away the ending for no. For, that was a hell of a pivot. That was yeah. a pivot. <laughs> Cars catch on fire. Cars in general, they have the ability to catch on fire. So, so just the, the fact that we have a, a Tesla car, I, I agree exactly with what what Tim says. When you have a, a stock that's at, at this lofty valuation that's that's volatile in general, it's uh, it, it's more at risk to, to stuff like this. But headline risk in in general, I've watched a lot of this because I follow mostly the banking industry, and there's been plenty of head, headline risk over the past few sure. years. And uh, these are certainly uh, stocks that are, if they're not in the basement, they certainly were in the basement a few years ago. They're not quite out of there yet. So when we've seen the headline risk in some cases, look at J.P. Morgan lately, it really hasn't done much. Uh, but I actually took this question to, uh, we were in New York a couple weeks ago and, and met with Bruce Greenwald at Columbia. And I asked him about headline risk and, and how, that, how he thinks about that as a, as a great investor and a value investor himself. And he sort of said, if, if you look at it and it's a risk that could legitimately hurt the core business of the company, something to be worried about. Otherwise, it's noise. Uh, basically, I'm paraphrasing. And uh, and apart from it being noise, it's potentially a a buying opportunity. I mean, if this is if this is just something that's in the headlines, impacting the stock price, dragging the stock down, but not really hurting the core business, uh, this could it could be an opportunity for buying. I'm not saying that's necessarily the case with Tesla right here. But uh, in general, when thinking about headline risk, I'm sorry. What was the connection to Breaking Bad? Are you saying in the final episode cars, of Breaking Bad, there's, no, 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 a, there's, I'm a, there's a car if, that's on fire? If you watch the You're entire series of, of Breaking Bad, cars catch on fire. <laughs> These are the kind of insights you can only get at Market Foolery. Exactly. You're not cars get, <laughs> catch on fire. You're not getting this on Bloomberg. I'll no, just say that. No, they they have no idea about about the cars catching the incendiary on fire. nature in of automobiles. <laughs> Um, before we um, move on to an earnings preview, because next week is the official kickoff of earnings season, you can follow us on Twitter, at MarketFoolery is our handle. Um, got a tweet from Bassem Al-Masri, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, who identified himself as one of your dozens of listeners in the Middle East. Uh, kind of a nuts and bolts question. He asks, when is a company considered small cap, mid cap, and large cap? Uh, it, it seems like the sort of thing where there should be an agreed-upon set of assumptions in terms of numbers. Well, once you hit the one billion mark, you're no longer a small cap. But as you said right before we started taping, Tim, it's kind of arbitrary. It's a little arbitrary. I think uh, you know, knowing exactly where the standards are for each sort of index provider probably doesn't matter much to your long-term investing success. Having said that, uh, the rule of thumb that that I've generally heard is under two billion is a small cap. Under ten billion, between two and ten is a mid cap. Over ten is large. Over fifty is mega. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I didn't even know about the mega. You can throw out a mega cab, absolutely. <laughs> is that is that generally what you go by as well, Matt? Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a good definition. I, I think the, the people that that's going to matter the most to are mutual fund advisors and that sort of thing. It doesn't matter to us either. Box themselves, <laughs> box themselves into. I'm only a mid cap investor, and right. then that's problematic. <laughs> Let's get to an earnings preview. Alcoa reports next week. Poor Alcoa. Now that it's no longer part of the Dow, all they can do yeah, is. Yeah, I thought we didn't care about this. Is, this is all that Alcoa has left. This Let's is, not take this l- away. We're not going to take this away from Alcoa. They get to kick off earnings season. Exactly. Uh, but I am curious to. Uh, I'll start with you, Matt. What is, a, whether it's a, a single company uh, or a group of companies, that you are particularly curious to see how they perform? It seems like. The expectations for this quarter are slightly higher than they were for the the, the last quarter, uh, it's, which is, is not is, saying much. Is, is it going to surprise you if I say banks? <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> I am, of course, interested to hear what the banks have to say. Uh, Wells Fargo is uh, expected to report earnings on Monday, uh, next Monday, and then J.P. Morgan follow-up next Friday. So those will be two interesting ones to hear from, uh, in particular because those are the two largest uh, mortgage originators here in the U.S., and the refinance boom has popped. And so the, the fee income that they get from, from those uh, originations is probably going to see a big, big slump in this quarter. And I think J.P. Morgan actually even said that their mortgage uh, department uh, is going to be unprofitable for the quarter. So I'd be interested to see just how bad that got and, uh, and hear the commentary from the, from the CEOs. Also, fixed income trading has been a big dud this quarter. Uh, so the investment banking operations, that's at J.P. Morgan. Look ahead to Goldman Sachs, same thing. Just in general, though, it would be nice if we maybe do get some positive news from earnings season because it seems like the past few weeks have been bad news stacked on top of bad news. And uh, maybe earnings season could turn that around. Tim, what about you? Well, I think, I think the banks are probably the sector to watch you know, in the near term, uh, retailers tend to report on a one-month flag from everybody else because they like to have you know the Christmas season all in one quarter. Yep. Um, but I think you know we're in we're just getting past the back-to-school season, and the retailers won't start reporting for a few more weeks. Uh, but I think that's going to be an interesting segment to watch, mostly because there's been such a mixed bag of results. Like Walmart, you know, has been poor. Urban Outfitters just warned about what's going on there. But then you've seen some bright spots in some of the luxury retailers and whatnot. So. It'll be interesting to get an ongoing picture of how the U.S. consumer is doing. I want to say thanks to uh, Rachel Eaton and our friends at Stitcher. Uh, They sent over a very nice box of swag. Um, What's Stitcher? uh, How dare you? What is this? Stitcher is an audio platform. Stitcher is one of the the big fans of where the money is. Exactly. Is that true? Yeah. So so we have listeners, uh, a lot of listeners on iTunes, but also on Stitcher and and TuneIn and other platforms. Ah, Stitcher is a platform. Uh, Stitcher is a platform. Got it. Platform. Um, Platform. uh, Is it in the cloud? That solves solves it for (laughs) you. Big Dad. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They carry uh, uh, Market Foolery, Motley Fool Money, and now the audio version of Where the Money Is, which is the daily show that starring Matt, Matt Coppenhaffer, Matt, right? and, uh, and David, David Hanson. Unrelated to me. I would, Unrelated. To although his, his older sister was my now wife's roommate in college. Talk about a small world. Wow, that is a small Whoa, world. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I did not know that. Uh, so thank you to Rachel and, and her colleagues for sending that Wait, but over. What went unsaid there is I haven't seen any of that swag. I t- it's at my desk. <laughs> we swing by my desk when we leave the studio. Uh, 
Um, There's okay. an extra large T-shirt left for you. <laughs> exactly. There's always an extra large and T-shirt a, left. And a double XL. And a double XL. <laughs> um, a few weeks ago, Lego, the Danish toy company, passed Hasbro to become the world's number two toy maker. Um, Mattel is still number one, but uh, Matt, you sent this story my way. I was a little surprised. Maybe I shouldn't be, given the number of Legos that are in my house, but... Nearly nine percent of the global toy market for for this company, um, and this is this is a company. Even though it's private, you, you have an interest in Lego. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually just finishing up a, a book on on Lego, and not only on its success, but some of its uh, past past failures and, and recovery from that. They had a the company had a great run uh, through the 80s and into the 90s, and then early in the 2000s, kind of made some made some mistakes. They were trying to address the the changing. Uh, market for for toys and games and the the attention span of the the, thir- the ten to thirteen year old mm-hmm. boy population, and they tried to attack innovation on so many fronts at once that they nearly bankrupt the they nearly bankrupt the company. Brought in some great new management, and I mean, I, I saw this story this morning, and I, I think the results really speak for themselves. This is it's such a dominant company, and. We don't really think about it or talk about it that much because uh, based overseas in, in Scandinavia and uh, and uh, not a publicly traded company, so so not one that, that investors necessarily want to uh, talk about, except that there are a lot of great lessons here in what to look for in management and strategy and that sort of thing. Yeah, we have seen that in, in other industries as well, sort of the... Um uh, I guess both good and bad examples. So the bad example is the company that's really trying to attack too many things at the same time, and then the good example is the company that is that is uh, maybe shedding some of its brands to uh, focus on one particular industry or or, or area. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love if this company was public because certainly I'm investing plenty of money. It's not investing; I'm spending plenty of money buying Legos. You'd be on board with that, wouldn't you? With Lego, yeah, things a monster. Oh my gosh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's 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 every market. I mean, it's killing it in every global market. I mean, the toys are, you know, talk about something that has no obsolescence risk at all, right? You know, attached to it, and you compare that to some of the other, um, you know, toy companies on the market. You look at Leapfrog and these like leap pads that are sort of poor excuses for iPads. You look at. <laughs> You know, Mattel, you know, and you've got timeless brands like Barbie and whatnot, but even those have to be updated, refreshed, and, and arguably have some sort of fashion or trend risk attached to them. You know, for every, you know, Dora the Explorer, there's a Teletubbies, or, you know, these are flashes in the pan. The Lego, I mean, it's a plastic brick. The thing is unbelievably <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you get that You get that one Lego brick, and it can go all the way from Star Wars right. to, uh, to models of, uh, of the Sears Tower. It's, yeah. it's 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 incredible the the scope that the that the company has has uh, captured. Well, and just w- with my son, what I've witnessed over the last few years is this expansion because the the natural tie-in is to have the the Lego version of Star Wars, Marvel, Avengers, all that sort of thing. But then to develop their own universe, uh, Lego Chima, and all these different sort of characters that are homegrown. Mm-hmm. That I'm assuming that's more profitable, but uh, much j- much more profitable. <laughs> Just go public, Lego, please. Just go public so we can buy but, a little piece of you. By the way, Lego bricks apparently almost indestructible. How many of those have you gotten lodged in your foot? Um, yeah, def- definitely uh, <laughs> middle of the night. Uh, yeah, barefoot in my son's room, going to like to turn out a light or something like that. Oh yeah, I've done that. I think we've all been there. Um, 
In fact, uh, one time when I was uh, in the ER with my son, it was not Lego related, but just in chatting <laughs> with the orderly. Is that when he swallowed a quarter? That's when he swallowed yeah, a quarter. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, um, that was when. Uh, yeah, the orderly was like, uh, "Yeah, yeah, we get, we get this." I said, "What do you get most of?" He said, "Legos." Oh, so that's that's that's. They are doing. temptingly bite sized. <laughs> they, they are in, in those bright, inviting <laughs> colors. Um, uh, quick plug to to wrap up today. As I mentioned, where the money is the audio version of the the daily video show that that Matt and David Hansen do uh, is available on Stitcher on iTunes as well. So check it out. Uh, and for more from Tim Hansen and his colleagues, you can just uh, go to foolfunds dot com. Sign up for declarations. The newly redesigned. The newly redesigned. Uh, yeah, fancy. Yeah, I wasn't going to say anything, but it does look a lot better. Is that nice. is that a platform now? Very snappy. It is. It is a. Uh, it's in the cloud. <laughs> Foolfunds.com. Tim Hansen, Matt Kopenheffer. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. Monday.